Pius the eleventh in nineteen twenty six said that we must quote reject that purely imaginary figure of Saint Francis conjured up by the defenders of modern error or by the followers of luxury and worldly comforts and seek to bring Christians to the faithful imitation of the ideal of sanctity, which he exemplified in himself, which he learned from the purity and simplicity of the doctrines of the gospels today on the one Peter five podcast. Jesus is King. Welcome to the 1 Peter 5 podcast, Rebuilding Christendom, Restoring Catholic Culture and Tradition. My name is Timothy Flanders. I'm the editor-in-chief of 1 Peter 5. Welcome to this broadcast on this great feast of St. Francis of Assisi, which all trads should celebrate and seek to reclaim the true understanding and true image of St. Francis of Assisi against this wicked neo-modernist hippie version, which was already seen by Pius the 11th in 1926. Imagine that. 1926, the papacy already understood that St. Francis was being corrupted by the modernists. And now we see today we have all sorts of problems with this false understanding of Francis. And we also have Pope Francis, who is invoking St. Francis, we feel, in error. So we'll, let's get into that topic. But before we do, just want to remind everyone that One Peter Five is a nonprofit organization. We have bills to, bills to pay, but we rely on your support to pay those bills. So please become a monthly supporter. OnePeterFive.com/slash/donate. Anything you can spare, five dollars a month, ten dollars a month, fifteen, anything helps us get our job done. This is obviously presented free to the public, but it's not free to produce. So we appreciate your support. Also, reminder to join our Crusade of Eucharistic Reparation. You can get information on that at onepeter5.com slash crusade. You can get one of these pins. I don't have them available yet on the website to purchase, but they will be available uh, on Thursday. We'll have a report on the investment ceremony that we just did at the CIC conference with His Excellency Bishop Snyder. He invested about 150 people with the cross of this Eucharistic crusade of reparation. And you can also join this. It, it's a, the minimum requirement is very small. It's just once a month, offer your holy hour in reparation for sins against the Blessed Sacrament and pray the prayer of Eucharistic reparation written by His Excellency. And there's additional devotions you can take on, additional aims of this crusade, but it is a crusade of penance, of reparation to the Eucharistic heart of Jesus. So this is very necessary in our time, at a time when so many blasphemies and outrages are offered to Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament on all sorts of different ways. So we need to offer reparation and penance that the hearts of wicked men may be turned in devotion to Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament and the Latin Mass may be restored. So, and one more thing before we get into our uh, topic, uh, announcing two important texts coming out at TAN today. One, TAN is publishing more Fulton Sheen uh, a Fulton Sheen series. Uh, this one we, we I just got is called Communism and the Conscience of the West. And the reason this is so important, not only because of the errors of Russia, obviously, but the the phenomenon of Fulton Sheen, of a Catholic bishop on primetime television in the United States in the 1950s, cannot be overestimated. And it helps to provide a key to understanding 
the revolution that actually happens in the 1960s and why do so many churchmen look to America as sort of this model as Benedict XVI said, it's a model of the secular state. And part of that has to do with its quasi crusade, the quasi crusade of the American empire against communism. So this is a very, very important text, a very important historical text, a very important to, um, uh, for its historical value, as well as devotional value today. So this is put out by Tan just recently. And then also by Tan is uh, our contributing editor, Peter Kwasniewski, just released the Once and Future Roman Rite, which is a collection of reflections on particularly the anniversary that came about uh, in 2019 of the Novus Ordo from 2019, or from 1969. So this is the, the, the newest text from Kwasniewski, the once and future, right? And we'll have a further podcast on that in the future to promote it. So let's talk about St. Francis of Assisi. Um, first, I want to look at the collect, the traditional collect, which helps us to understand why are trads so frustrated about the Novus Ordo? Because, the, you know, why can't we just have a Latin Novus Ordo with Reverend Shan and everything like this? Today's collect shows us why we can't do that. And I don't have my breviary. Where is it? I think I put it over there. But the collect, the traditional collect of St. Francis calls upon us to despise earthly things, despise earthly things, and hold fast to heavenly things in imitation of St. Francis. And this is the, the, the phrase despise earthly things was systematically censored from the Novus Ordo. So even if you have a Novus Ordo in Latin, it will have the phrase despising earthly things censored. They took it out. That was offensive to modern man. And so they took it out. This is why we can't just have a Latin Novus Ordo because the very prayers within the Latin Novus Ordo, when you have a Latin Novus Ordo, Ad Orientum, Gregorian chant, everything's perfect as much as possible in Novus Ordo, you still have the texts censored. And so the, the new collect, um, let me see if I have that real quickly here. Oh, I got a, let's see, uh, missile, what is it? Readings, okay, here we go. So here's the new collect. So the old collect says we must despise earthly things to hold fast to heavenly things. Here's the Novus Ordo collect. Oh God, by whose gift St. Francis was conformed to Christ in poverty and humility, grant that by walking in Francis's footsteps, we may follow your son and through joyful charity come to be united with you. Now, there's nothing unorthodox about that, obviously. There's nothing heretical contained in that collect. But you see what is lost. What we lose when we, when we censor this phrase, despising earthly things, what we're really censoring is our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself said, unless you hate your mother and father and your wife and your children and even your own soul and take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. He is the one who used the term hate to hate the world, to hate, despise earthly things, despise even your mother and father. And so by censoring these things, we are, there is a great loss of the spirituality, the spirituality of perfect hatred. As Psalm 138 says, with perfect hatred, I have hated them, O Lord. And so we have this, this great, this very, very critical, important spirituality that has been stripped of our prayers in the Novus Ordo because the perfect hatred of Jesus Christ himself, as he, as the Holy spirit says, his words in the Holy Psalter 
is the hatred of the world of flesh and the devil. It's not the hatred of people. We don't hate people. We are we love all men. But what we hate is sin. As the Holy Psalter says in another place, ye that love the Lord hate evil. So we must have this holy hatred of evil in order to militantly fight against evil. And this is what St. Francis gives us against the hippie, dippy, whatever Francis that is being propagated today. We have this militant man of God. And this brings us to another uh, problem. Now we're going to have to go back to the 1962 missile. What's the problem with the 1962 missile? Well, it suppresses all of the feast days that have to do with miracles. So, for example, there's two feast days of St. Michael. We just had St. Michaelmas last, last week. There's actually two feast days. There's one which commemorates uh, a miracle regarding St. Michael. I think it's an apparition. That was suppressed in 1962. The other feast that was suppressed in 1962, among others, is the, the feast of the commemoration of the stigmata of St. Francis. And we read in the epistle of St. Francis today that it actually said, um, St. Paul says, I bear on my, I bear on my body, the stigmata of Christ. That's what St. Paul says. And there used to be other, another feast. I don't know if my missile, I think it was in May, if I recall, but the feast of the stigmata of St. Francis is commemorating the miracle of the stigmata of St. Francis, which by the way, is restoring a very, very old miraculous spirituality that actually was appeared in St. Macarius of Egypt, because some, sometimes the Eastern Orthodox, because they're ignorant, often find these different ways to pillory St. Francis, which is very uh, sad, because they don't understand what they're talking about. But stig stigmatism actually is actually in St. Macarius of Egypt. So Eastern Orthodox, you can go look that up. Um, but this is another reason, <laughs> another, you know, much more minor issue with the 1962 missile. But this is just another reason to go back to the 1955 and, and prior missiles, because we've lost also this commemoration of the stigmata of St. Francis. So there's the liturgical aspect. Now, here's another aspect which is very challenging to trads, and that is the intellectual and spiritual tradition of St. Francis and the Franciscan school of thought, which is be, begins to be very much codified and spread by the great St. Bonaventure. So if you want to read the actual life of St. Francis, you want to get this text right here. This is St. Bonaventure. Um, the Paulist order, unfortunately, seems to have been quite corrupted, but they still publish good books because <laughs> um, this is published by Paulist Press. And uh, they also publish St. John, uh, excellent volumes of the ancient... Um, what is it? Ancient Christian Writers series. Uh, they have gr some great volumes of St. John Cassian, as well as um, St. Patrick's Confessions, etc. Anyways, th so this text of St. Bonaventure includes the life of St. Francis. The life of St. Francis was written by St. Bonaventure. And it, it's, you know, it's wonderful when you have the life of a saint written by another saint. I mean, that doesn't always happen. So if you want to read about St. Francis, the best place to go would be to get this text. I'm not sure if this is available online or not for free, but... Um, this also contains Bonaventure's uh, writings, The Soul's Journey to God, The Tree of Life, uh, but it has the life of St. Francis. So that's where you want to go. St. Bonaventure wrote the life of St. Francis. If you want to learn about St. Francis. And St. Francis is this rival school of thought to Tome, or I'm sorry, Bonaventure, rather. Bonaventure is the rival of St. Thomas. Okay. 
He's the rival of St. Thomas because his, his thought is far more Augustinian, which does not incorporate as much of the Aristotelian uh, fad of the day, shall we say. In the, in, the, in the 1100s and 1200s, Aristotle was this very controversial thing, which St. Thomas adopted very controversially. But St. Bonaventure was actually the trad of his day. St. Saint, Saint Thomas was, was uh, not a trad in that sense. Um, and this is what trads I think we need to appreciate uh, about St. Francis and the Franciscan school is that it provides this alternate uh, rival school, rival in a, in a complementary way, because St. Bonaventure and St. Thomas were rivals, but they were rivals in the best sense of that word. They were rivals in, in humility, in the way that the saints are rivals with one another, as that when the saints compete with each other, they compete in humility. And the, the greatest story of this is, of course, when um, I believe it was Pope Urban uh, who commissioned St. Thomas and St. Bonaventure both to write Eucharistic hymns, coming going back to our crusade of Eucharistic reparation. They both ask, asked um, these two great saints to write Eucharistic hymns, and they presented them before the Pope. And St. Thomas went first. The story goes, St. Thomas read out his Eucharistic hymn. And St. Bonaventure, because he was competing with St. Thomas out of humility, and he didn't care whether he got the glory, but rather... Uh, whether God got the glory, St. Bonaventure ripped up his, uh, ripped up his, uh, his version of the Eucharistic prayer. So we, we don't, it's lost to history because he ripped it up because he loved St. Thomas's more. And there, there's a great uh, scene in, in Dante's Paradiso where St. Francis and St. Um, I'm sorry, St. Bonaventure and St. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. It might be St. Francis and Dominic, I believe. I'm not recalling. I'm pretty sure it's Francis and Dominic who are we're sort of vying with each other in, in paradise. So this is the type of true rivalry that we need to, that's the traditional rivalry of these two schools of thought. And um, this is where trads are challenged because as we've discussed at, at, um, at 1 Peter 5, we need to understand the crisis of the post-Vatican II crisis in a much more deeper and nuanced and comprehensive way because the problems that arose at and after Vatican II were not 100% caused by Vatican II, but many of them actually predated Vatican II. And this is, this is very important for Trez to understand so that we can have a much more comprehensive critique of what's going on Vatican II and after. Because if we pin all the problems on Vatican II, we miss the fact, for example, that Vatican II helped to allow an openness towards the Franciscan tradition, for example. Uh, Christopher Dawson, the great his English historian in 1960, he described the dominance of the Neo-Thomist school at the time. This is 1960. So this is pre-Vatican II. He described the dominance to such a degree. He said this is there is the loss of these rival schools as there was in Christendom. And everyone's being indoctrinated as if this was an ideology like Marxism. OK, that's how he described the intensity with which some of the Neo-Thomists, not all, obviously there's really great Neo-Thomists. We, we just need to be balanced and nuanced with our perspectives on the pre-Vatican II period. But there were problems. There were some Thomists who were not really good Thomists. They were just fast food PhD Thomists, and they were just sort of imposing their, their, their manualism as an ideology, and they weren't actually doing Thomism. They were giving Thomas a bad name. Really. And this is what causes this overreaction by the Nouvelle Théologie and various other thinkers who are allied with that causes an overreaction. 
And we need to understand Francis the Franciscan perspective of Vatican II because there is actually a positive result of Vatican II in terms of allowing for a greater uh, dissemination of the Franciscan school of thought, both intellectually and spiritually, because of there was a certain dominance and excessive dominance of Thomism in the post-revolutionary period leading up to Vatican II. And there are reasons for that, and there's good reasons for that and bad reasons for that and all sorts of different factors. But the Franciscan school is a, a totally traditional school of thought you know, date, dating back to uh, the 1200s. And, but it's not Thomism and it's entirely Orthodox. And so we need to see this for what it is. And I want to recommend to everybody going to, um, I'll put this, uh, I'll put this on, um, I don't actually have this ready. I'll put this on uh, the links below, but uh, Dr. Jared Goff is a Franciscan scholar at the Byzantine Seminary of Silo Methodius. And he has a great collection of his lectures on Franciscan intellectual tradition uh, for free on the internet. So you can, you can get all you need right here at, with Jared Goff. Um, thankful for his generosity with that. So let's read, um, let's read from the Benedictus. So this is the traditional Catholic companion. So this is analogous to the Magnificat for the Novus Ordo. This is the traditional Catholic companion for the Latin mass. This is a great thing. You can go to, so you go to pray, praybenedictus.com. It's just $5 a month and you could subscribe to this. So you get, get these uh, really a month in advance. And um, it's, it's so much more than a Magnificat really. It's, it's, it's got all the, the daily readings and prayers for every single day, but it also has these annotations. So, for example, today for today's feast day, it has an from Saint Francis of Assisi, um, and I don't have the actual source for this as to where this comes from. But here's Saint Francis. So these are the words of Saint Francis: "Quote, <clears throat> consider, O man, how great the excellence in which the Lord has placed you, because He has created and formed you to the image of His beloved Son, according to the body, and to His own likeness, according to the Spirit." And all the creatures that are under heaven serve and know and obey their creator in their own way better than you. And even the demons did not crucify him, but you together with them crucified him and still crucify him by taking delight in vices and sins. Wherefore then can you glory? For if you were so clever and wise that you possessed all science, and if you knew how to interpret every form of language and to investigate heavenly things minutely, you could not glory in all this. Because one demon has known more of heavenly things and still knows more of, heaven, of earthly things than all men. Although there be some men who has some man who has received from the Lord a special knowledge of sovereign wisdom. In like manner, if you were handsomer and richer than all others, and even if you could work wonders and put the demons to flight, all these, thing, these things are hurtful to you and in no wise belong to you, and in them you cannot glory. That, however, in which we may glory is in our infirmities and bearing daily the holy cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us all, brothers, consider the good shepherd who, to save his sheep, bore the suffering of the cross. The sheep of the Lord followed him in tribulation and persecution and shame, in hunger and thirst, in infirmity and temptations and in all other ways. And for these things they have received everlasting life from the Lord. Wherefore, it is a great shame for us, the servants of God, that whereas the saints have practiced works, we should expect to receive honor and glory for reading and preaching the same. 
end quote, St. Francis of Assisi. I think this is so powerful because he speaks of if you possessed all science and that the, the Latin term science means just knowledge, general knowledge. If you knew how to interpret every form of language, if you knew all heavenly things and earthly things, even one demon has greater knowledge than you. Today, the, the office of theologian has been completely corrupted so that the, the theologians of today are merely academics. They just have a PhD or maybe they have two PhDs, but that is nothing compared to the knowledge of a demon. And so these theologians imitate demons because they use their knowledge to take away the honor due to Almighty God. Just like demons. Modern theologians of today imitate demons in this way. They use their great knowledge to spread heresies. But we too imitate the demons if we take any glory, any glory or any honor in our, in our, our learning. This is something that is emphasized in the imitation of Christ from the very first chapter. If you memorize the entire Holy Bible, but you have pride, you're a demon. Now, in the same way as trads, we want we fight for the Latin Mass. But if we offer that Latin Mass and we offer the, you know, we have a perfect Latin Mass with perfect Gregorian chant and incense and everything so perfect... But if we offer that with a prideful heart, it is a stench in the nostrils of the Lord, Isaiah chapter 1. I repeat, if we offer the Latin Mass like a Pharisee, it is a stench in the nostrils of the Lord. And this is critical for trads to understand, that trads really imbibe the spirit of St. Francis that really gets to the very heart of the matter. The heart of the matter, the reason that we fight for all these externals, the reason we fight for all these beautiful things in the Holy Mass is so that our hearts may rise with that incense. Sursum corda habemus ad dominum. If your heart is not lifted up to Almighty God, you're not praying the Latin Mass. Another great um, uh, piece... In, uh, this is, comes from this modern classic, Humility of Heart. If you ever, this text is is just fantastic. If you struggle with the vice of pride, this this book will destroy your pride. Thanks, thanks be to God. So this is by Father Cajetan Mary Daga Bergamo and put out by Tan. And in this text, he, he says that St. Francis of Assisi had this great ejaculatory practice where throughout the day he would say, who is God? And then he would meditate on who is God and think about, the almighty omnipotence, the transcendence of almighty God, look up into the sky and see the vast reaches of the sky and know that God is almighty and greater than the greatest thing that we can imagine. So he would say, who is God? And then he would say, who am I? And so then he would meditate on the, the nothingness and how there, there is nothing that I did before I was created to deserve to be created. I was, I was existing in nothingness. I was nowhere. I didn't exist. But God himself called me out of nothingness and created me, created my soul out of nothing and my body out of my mother and my father. And then he gave me the true faith and baptized me, again, meriting nothing that I had merited, this great mercy. And so you, you go back and forth between who is God and who am I? Who is God and who am I? And you just go back 
between those things. And then that, that is a great a practice of, of att attaining humility by God's grace, because those two meditations ultimately greatly benefit to meditate on uh, humility. Um, Father Gary Lagrange says the way that you the way that you gain humility is by acknowledging practically the majesty of God. And this is why we, we pray the rosary, because we 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 start to lose um, lose our focus. We forget about ourselves. And we just start to focus all on God. And then when we come back to ourselves, we think, oh, well, well, I'm nothing. And that's the proper understanding. And th that great, um, that great uh, practice from, from Bergamo um, relating St. Francis of Assisi, I think is so beautiful. Um, so then lastly, I just want to mention introduction to the Militia Immaculata, because if you want the true Franciscan spirit. There's really no modern saint who exemplified the true Franciscan spirit better than St. Maximilian Kolbe, one of our patrons at, uh, he, here he is right here, one of our patrons at 1 Peter 5, uh, because we have our two patrons. One is the model layman, Blessed Carl of Austria, and the other one is St. Maximilian Kolbe, the model priest. And St. Maximilian Kolbe especially exemplifies the Franciscan spirit against the so-called spirit of Assisi. Uh, there's an article out by John Venari, rest in peace, that you can find on Catholic Family News, which is called The Spirit of Assisi versus St. Francis of Assisi. And it compares sort of this indifferentism, which comes out of the Assisi meetings, started by John Paul II, and the spirit of indifferentism, the spirit of uh, indifference towards the salvation of souls, and it compares this, contrasts this with the Franciscans. We know that um, the great St. Anthony, another great Franciscan, uh, I have a great devotion to St. Anthony of Padua, and uh, he was inspired by the Franciscan martyrs. The Franciscan martyrs were being paraded through his town or, or through the town that he was in. And he saw the Franciscan martyrs and they had been killed by the Saracens because they had gone off to preach the gospel to the Saracens and they had been killed and martyred. And St. Anthony of Padua was so inspired that he joined the Franciscans and he also got on a ship to go get martyred as well. Uh, this is the fire of St. Francis right here. It's just to get on a ship and go get martyred to, to save the souls of the Saracens. That's the spirit of St. Francis. And St. Francis himself, uh, during the Crusades, he was able to confront the Sultan and he said, in effect, I bring you the gospel of the true God. That is the spirit of St. Francis. And that's the spirit embodied by St. Maximilian Kolbe, who he, 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 he fought with the utmost truth and charity to convert Jews, Freemasons, heretics of every kind. And th this, this great love and this great, he's really a modern St. Francis of Assisi is what it is. That's, that's who we need to look to. And so I, I recommend to all to join the Melixia Immaculata. Um, and it's very simple. The Militia Immaculata is the organization founded by, by St. Maximilian Kolbe. And what it is, is to, it is in, to imbue the militant spirit of Our Lady against the enemies of the Holy Church. In the consecration formula by St. Maximilian Kolbe, it, it mentions the, the versicle from the Divine Office. Give me strength that I may praise thee, O Holy Virgin. Give Give me strength against thine enemies. And we know that Our Lady is invoked as the destroyer of all heresies. 
which she destroys. She, she crushes the serpent underfoot by her humility. And St. Maximilian Kolbe is this prophet of the reign of Mary in our time. And so the Militia Immaculata is very simple. It is a consecration to Mary and a daily prayer, which is, O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee and those who have no recourse to thee, especially the Freemasons. Or there's another version, which is especially the enemies of Holy Church, encompassing not only the Freemasons, but also the Jews and heretics and every other enemies of Holy Church. So it is this great militant spirit of St. Maximilian Kolbe against the modern enemies of Holy Church to convert them and win them over to the Immaculata and through Mary to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And St. Maximilian Kolbe was, was inspired by the life of Alphonse Radisbon, the Jew. He was a French Jew. He was a secular French Jew in the 19th century. And he was visiting Rome and he was dared, his friend dared him to wear the miraculous medal and to say a memorare, to go into one of the churches in Rome. And Alphonse Radisbon did so. And he actually was graced with a vision of the Virgin Mary where he was instantly converted. And with his other brother, who also was a Jewish convert, they founded the congregation of, um, I think it was the congregation of Zion, I think is the term, uh, the, the title of that. But the congregation is just for the evangelization of the Jews. And uh, so St. Maximilian Kolbe really shows us this Franciscan ideal in our modern time, really more than perhaps any other Franciscan uh, of our day. And so St. Fran- Maximilian Kolbe, we recommend um, all of our readers and listeners to join the Militia Immaculata. And you can go, there's two different, um, there's two different groups of the Melissa Immaculata. There's the uh, Melissa Immaculata traditional observance, observance, which is uh, run by the SSPX. And so this, this would involve all of the traditional fight against the Freemasons. Uh, so the traditional prayer, it involves a longer consecration formula. Uh, and then there's the, also the, the modern Melissa Immaculata, which is uh, also available to all Catholics. You know, if you have a scruple about the SSPX, you can always also join the Blitz Maculata, um, which the, the prayer is, um, O Mary conceived without sin, pray for us, we to thee, especially the enemies of the Holy Church. So it's more general and so it's going to cover everybody else, not just the Freemasons, but Jews, heretics, etc. as well. So um, if you have not consecrated yourself to the Virgin Mary, I encourage you to do so and to join this Melissa Maculata. It is a Marian militant spirit, which is meant to imbue your own apostolate, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. It is St. Maximilian Colby designed it to be very simple so that it can simply be a spirit to imbue whatever you're doing. So you can be a Dominican or you can be a, you know, a third order Franciscan, or you can be just a layman or married or priest or whoever you are. And you can join the Militia Immaculata to join with this Marian militant spirit of St. Maximilian Kolbe and ultimately of St. Francis, uh, that this Marian militant spirit may imbue also your own apostolate. So that is our show for today. I have uh, one one comment here from Alex. He's he's mentioning that there's a Mediatrix Press version of St. Fran- Life of St. Francis as well. Uh, you can never go wrong with Mediatrix Press. Shout out to um, Ryan Grant, who is the CEO of that great organization. Got to meet him in person this past.
God with lots of great learning that he's he's been uh, sharing with us through his own podcasts and uh, his own work. So yeah, you can go to Media Extras Press for another life of St. Francis. I'm not sure if that is the a more modern critical edition as well. Uh, and there's great uh, benefit to the modern critical editions as well as the older versions as well. So, so you can take a look at that over at Mediatrix Press. So with all that, let's offer up an Ave Maria in this militant Marian spirit of St. Maximilian Colby. And we'll invoke our patrons as well. Uh, St. Maximilian Colby and Blessed Carl of Austria. Let's pray. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Blessed Emperor Carl, pray for us. Saint Maximilian Colby, pray for us. O Mary, conceive without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee, and those who have no recourse to thee, especially the Freemasons. In nomine Patris, Sefidi, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Jesus is King.